Thank you, men. Let's take our Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6 together. Matthew chapter 6 in our Bibles. It's good to see you again. My family and I were away for a little while, and um, we had a wonderful vacation together out in Pennsylvania. And then uh, some of us got sick uh, on our way back, And uh, but it's good to be back with you. It's wonderful to hear you singing. You're in great voice today. It's good to see you being faithful and gathering together. This morning's a special a service for us. It's a communion service where we'll take the entire service and we'll really focus on the Lord's Supper. You remember um, the night Jesus was betrayed in the upper room there in Jerusalem with his disciples. He gathered with them to celebrate the Passover and um, he, he gave them very specific instructions. They were to partake of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of him, both the wine or the grape juice and then the unleavened bread, the bread representing his body that was broken, uh, that was going to be broken at that time. They didn't realize what was happening. And then the grape juice representing his blood. And of course, the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So there's no there's no forgiveness of sins. And, of course, we all know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And uh, you can imagine, we can imagine what it would be like to be a sinner, but to not have the ability to be forgiven. Uh, years ago, I can remember when Tiger Woods, he was dominant in his golf play at that time. And uh, the personal matters of his marriage and his life came out Um I vaguely remember reading an article talking about his wife swinging a golf club at him and uh, in the vehicle. Um, I can remember a divorce followed and Tiger Woods golf play fell off dramatically. I mean, it changed. He changed as a golfer. And um, some weeks or months had gone by and I had um, some golf was on the television and one of the commentators made the comment, he said, I don't know what he's, and this is not a quote, a direct quote, but he, his comment was, in essence, I don't know what religion Tiger Woods affiliates with. He said, but he needs to find Christianity because in Christianity, you find, is the only place you find forgiveness. And in all the religions of the world, there is no forgiveness. There is no there is no payment, ultimate payment, the blood of Christ that can take away sins, whereby we are forgiven of sins. When we think about the Lord's Supper, um, forgiveness should be at the forefront of our minds. It ought, there ought to be a, a measure of rejoicing, uh, a mindset of rejoicing in our hearts that we, each of us as individuals, have been forgiven of every single one of our sins past, the ones we've committed already, the ones we will commit or have committed this week or will commit this week, and all of the ones we will ever commit throughout the remainder of our lives. It really is a marvelous wonder of the salvation of God, the forgiveness of our sins. Are you a forgiving person? How would you answer that? Are you a forgiving person? Uh, some of us could say yes. Some of us would say, I don't know. I, I'm pretty good at keeping records, Pastor Ferguson. I, I have a sharp mind. I, I know when I've been offended. I know when I've been hurt. And I know when someone hasn't done what they should do. And I remember, and I have a hard time forgetting that. And I have a hard time forgiving. Um, we're going to talk about that, by the way, forgive and forget a little bit this morning in our time. Um, some of us are good at forgiving. I'm, I made the comment to Nate this morning. I said, I have a pretty short memory. And uh, um, I can remember my father coming to me. He's here. I can remember my father coming to me as a child and asking me to forgive him. Um, that's not new. I've, I've told you that before as a church. I try to do that with my family. Sometimes we have a hard time asking for forgiveness. Because normally there's a reason why we said something we shouldn't have or did something we shouldn't have done. And normally that reason is attached to another person. 
you know, if you hadn't said that, I wouldn't have responded like this, right? So therefore, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness until you ask me for forgiveness. And then there's this waiting game. And there are a lot of relationships that aren't what they ought to be because someone will not ask for forgiveness or because someone will not give forgiveness. I'm thankful for my dad asking me to forgive him as a boy. Um, There are times my children have come to me and asked me for forgiveness. Sometimes children get in trouble, right? Sometimes children do things they shouldn't do. Tori's looking at me like, you better not say anything, okay? When you were younger and had pigtails, I could say whatever. Um, But as parents, do we give forgiveness to our children? And not just when they ask for it, but when maybe they've wronged us and they haven't asked for it. Do you forgive your fellow church members? Are you forgiving of your neighbors? Um, do Are you a forgiving person? I don't know that you and I can be any more like Christ than when we forgive people who have wronged us. And we're, we're called to follow Christ. We're called to obey him. He, and we're going to see his, these wonderful words in Matthew chapter 6 today where Jesus is talking to his, his disciples and he's going to leave them. They've asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he's going to do that in the model prayer. And in, in a section of this model prayer, he teaches them on this matter of forgiveness. He's talking to men who some of them would die martyrs' death. They all would suffer. They would all suffer rejection. They would all suffer hatred and animosity. Uh, these men, in an effort to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, were going to take the gospel to the known world, and they were going to preach the gospel in love to people, and they were going to be rejected and despised and hated and ridiculed and abused and most of them killed. And Jesus knew that they were not going to be willing to forgive the people who would hurt them. And the same is true for you and for me. We cannot do what God is calling us to do, being the dads he he has called us to be, and the mothers he's called you to be, the saints, the, the Christians that God has called us to be, if we will not forgive others who have wronged us. Now, the positive, the flip side of that is positive. We can be who God wants us to be because we can forgive. Let's look at the passage. Matthew chapter 6. I'll read three verses. Look at verse 12 in Matthew 6. It's the model prayer. You might have it memorized. I'd encourage you to go back and read it maybe this afternoon to get the broader context. But in verse 12, Jesus says this to his apostles. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, he's teaching them how they should pray. And he's saying, you need to pray to your father and ask him to forgive you of your debts as you forgive your debtors. Look down to verse 14. He continues, he says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He's talking to believers. He's talking to his apostles. And he says, you need to forgive You need to forgive. You need to be forgiven. You need to be cleansed by the Father. And you need to ask him to forgive you. And you you can expect your Father to forgive you the same way that you are forgiving those who have wronged you. And and I say to you this morning, as as we partake of these elements and we rejoice in God's salvation that he has given to us and the forgiveness that we've received from him, I want us to contemplate, too, am I a bitter person? And maybe we'd say, well, I'm not. I'm not a bitter person. I'm a happy, I'm a happy person. I enjoy life. Um, but there is this one person. Or is the, there is this one situation that took place 
There are these people. There's the, there was this time in my life when this happened, and I have never let that go. I've never forgiven them. And I want you to ponder how God has forgiven you and your need to forgive others. Okay, Let's pray together. Father, help us, I pray now, as we look at your word. What a blessed, blessed privilege it is to gather together with God's people in this room, uh, young and old, many, many who are saved. We are your children. We are your disciples. We are learners and followers of your son. And we want to serve you. We want you to use us for your glory. And Father, our hearts rejoice this morning in your salvation. Father, I pray that you would draw our hearts out to worship you and praise your name. But also, Lord, would you bring conviction in our hearts as well, if there's any bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness in our lives. And Lord, would you by your Holy Spirit convict, but also encourage, Lord, give give healing too, I pray. So do more than I can do through preaching. Do what only you can do, and may you be glorified in our hearts this morning. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 7, the Bible says this, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, that is, that Christ purchased us with his blood. And then he describes what we have by his blood. He says, The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Romans chapter 4 talks about this in verse 8 where it says, Blessed or happy is the man to whom the Lord will not impute Sin or hold one accountable for their sin. Happy is the man who's been forgiven. Happy is the man who isn't going to be judged by God for his sins. Okay, that that is indeed a happy man. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, Without shedding of blood is no remission. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of Jesus' blood. So, Forgiveness, the word forgiveness could be defined as freedom. Uh, It could be described as to let let it go or to pardon, deliverance, and liberty. And again, in Matthew 6, as Jesus is talking to these disciples, he's talking to men who believe in him. He's talking to men who are following him. He's talking to men who have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And and to that degree, and to that end, he's talking to people who are saved. And for the most part this morning, I'm talking to people who are saved. There might be someone here. You do not know the Lord as your personal Savior. Friend, you need to be forgiven. You need to be forgiven, and you can be. And that's what that commentator was talking about. If Tiger Woods was going to have hope again, he needed to know that he could be forgiven. And and I'm not picking on him. Every single one of us in this room needs, needs forgiveness or needed forgiveness from our sins. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus on another occasion when talking to his disciples said this, and when ye stand praying, when you go to pray, he says, forgive if ye have aught against any. Think about that. He's talking to his followers. He says, when you go to pray, when you go to pray, uh, you need to make sure you're forgiving everybody who's wronged you in any way. When you come to the Father and you're going to ask, that's what it means to pray. Lord, would you please, would you provide for us financially? God, would you give us wisdom as parents and working with our training up our children and ministering to our children, helping our children, meeting their needs, helping us understand how to lead our children, our family through this age. When, When you come to God and you ask him for something, Jesus connects asking with forgiveness. He says, when you go to ask from your father, you need to make sure that you've forgiven. How many of us have things that we need God to do in our lives, in our children's lives, in our marriages, in our in our nation? How many of us have a prayer list or things that burden our hearts? Yeah, there's some very serious things on those prayer lists. Um, and Jesus says, when you go to pray, You need to forgive if you have ought against any that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. I want to look at three thoughts this morning from these three verses. Number one, God wants us 
to be forgiven. God wants us to be forgiven. He wants, he wants you and me to be forgiven. He wants us to be clean. That's really the, the emphasis of verse number 12. Look there, Matthew 6 and verse 12, he says this, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So that word forgive means to let alone or to, to let go, to omit, to send away, to put away. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's teaching you and me, when you pray, ask your father, Lord, would you forgive me of my debts? Now, what kind of debt is he talking about? He's not talking about a financial debt. He's talking about a sin debt. He's talking about when we sin. Now, when we, are, when we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we were forgiven of all sin, past, present, and future. So he's talking about fellowship. Even after we are saved, we still sin. And he's telling his, his apostles, when you, uh, when you pray, you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to ask God to let it go, to omit your sin as if it has never happened, to put it away. Debt, something that's owed, morally a fault. Uh, debt, a debt here vividly represents sin. And the disciples are clearly commanded to ask God to forgive them. Forgive, they needed to ask God for forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the person who says, oh, I don't have any sin. God says, you're not telling the truth. I'm putting it mildly. You're not telling the truth. You, there, is no, there is no person, even after salvation, who lives without sinning. Uh, maybe some of us go greater lengths of time in between sinning, but we all sin. There are thoughts that are wrong or impure. There are words that are spoken. There are words that are omitted and not spoken that should be spoken. You know, we sin. We're people. We sin. And, and, and the Bible's uh, true, and, and so we can, we can see this very clearly from the Word of God. And I doubt there's anybody here this morning that denies struggling with sin I imagine that many of us regularly ask God to cleanse us. Do you? I mean, I, I, I say that. I imagine most of us regularly ask God for forgiveness. But maybe I should ask the question, when's the last time you've asked God to forgive you? When's the last time? It's awfully quiet. <laughs> but this is something we ought to do. I mean, when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord... Teach us to pray. And he gave them this model prayer. I want you to go to your father as children. Go to your father. I want you to to ask him for these things in this way. He also includes in here, you need to ask your father to forgive you of your debt, your sin debt against him, your sins against him. So there is that question, are you asking your father to forgive you? But I think the question of the hour is, are you being forgiven when you ask him? Are you being forgiven? Are you receiving what you're asking for? So, again, the emphasis of this verse is God wants us to be forgiven. He wants us to be clean. So let me ask you this morning, are you clean? Um, Growing up, mom let us. She let us, I mean, she had rules, but we got, we rode our bicycles and, and we went swimming and we climbed the highest trees we possibly could. I don't know if she knew that exactly was going on all the time. Some things happened. She wasn't, uh, we deceived her on, but, uh, but she let us play as children. You know, I had a Red Rider BB gun and, and other things. And I can remember we used to play hard as children at the Ferguson house and we played hard. Um, and, and I can remember having dirt rings around my neck, you know, I mean, it was just, that was commonplace. I mean, that was probably a daily occurrence. Um, it would have been challenging for mom to keep us clean. And so when it would come to a day when it was a day to get cleaned up, we're going to go visit somebody, we're getting ready to come to church or something like that. It was, you know, we had to get cleaned up and it was scrubbing. And I much rather mom give me a bath when I was a child than my father, because he would just take the wash rag and just put it to your face and kind of do this. And, uh, 
you know, so mom would, you know, mom would daintily wash behind your ears, you know, and it was kind of like a spa. You know, I think it's probably the, the, I've never been to a spa, but I'm imagining that's probably what it was like. Um, did you wonder if I'd been to a spa? No. Anyhow, um, but there was a need to get clean, you know, we were dirty. And, uh, and, and the same is true for you and for me. We live in this wicked world. We have this ungodly flesh. There's this battle, there's this struggle that's taking place between the Holy Spirit of Christ within us and uh, the wickedness of our old rotten dead flesh. And there's this battle, there's this war going on, and there is a need to be clean again. And that's really what Jesus is getting after in this passage. He, he wants them to be clean. In John 13, Peter said to the Lord, he said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, and he said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Peter says, You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, If if you're not going to let me clean you, then you have no part with me. There's no fellowship there. There's no communion there. How many of you know that you need the communion of the Lord Jesus Christ? In your daily life. How many of you know you need him? Like you need his strength. You need his wisdom. Um, How many of you know that without him you can't do anything? How many of you know without him you fall over and over and over again? How many many of us know without him the discouragement that comes in life as we try to uh, fruitlessly to do his will without his, when we try to do his will without his power, you know, or we try to live a joyful Christian life without the joy that comes by the Holy Spirit when we're saying yes to him. See, we need communion. We need fellowship with him, but we, that fellowship is broken. That communion is broken when you and I sin and then we go uncleansed and the dirt ring gets bigger. You know, and uh, we start to smell, you know, um, and we're, we're, we still put on a smile. We can pretend we can go through the motions of serving God. We can try very hard and very sincerely to serve God and do his will. But the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not our joy. That's our strength. We need him. But communion, fellowship has been broken. And the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, knew this. And so he's looking at his apostles who who are zealous men, who are genuine men. They love him. They're going to serve him. They're going to try to serve him in their own flesh and in their own strength. And he knows they're going to fall. He knew that. He knew they were going to fall. He knew Peter was going to deny him. And he knew they were going to get dirty. And he knew they were going to need to be cleansed again. And he knows that about you and me as well. We need to be cleansed daily if we're going to have fellowship with him. If we're going to have communion with him. And we've been commanded to be clean. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. The uh, stunning command comes to us. Be ye holy as I am holy. Well, nothing like setting the bar low so we can get started. You know, be ye holy as I am holy. But we need communion. We need, the, we need the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. We need him to do in us what we do not have the ability to do in ourselves and for ourselves. The Bible tells us that godly people even fall. Proverbs says this in chapter 24 and verse 16. It says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. And this whole idea of being cleansed is rising up again. I don't want you to give up on rising up again. You mustn't give up on that. To give up on that is to give up on the Lord and what he can do and what he will do. And, and there's pride in there when, when we get to the point where we say, you know what, I'm not going to try anymore. I haven't been able to do it, so I'm not going to try anymore. You mustn't do that. Don't give up on the Lord and what he's doing, what he has done, and what he will continue to do in your life. 
a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. And maybe you're here this morning and, and, and there is shame inside of you and maybe even grief inside of you. And maybe you feel like weeping or maybe you're, there's a stubbornness there that's a hardness that's crept into your soul. Um, can I encourage you, humble yourself again this morning and confess sin to the Lord and uh, embrace his cleansing and let him bring you to your feet again. And maybe to you, the cleansing feels more like my dad taking the washcloth to my face as a boy in the bathtub. It was more like torture. I think it was the uh, the beginning of waterboarding, actually. Uh, some like a wet washcloth, you know, in uh, dad's big hand. Or maybe the cleansing of the Lord this morning feels more like my mom's cleaning around. And, and, and you're walking with the Lord. And there's some things that aren't right. And you know your thoughts, your the, those feelings or those desires are, well, then confess those. Be clean. Be clean. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us if, if we confess our sins, that word confess means to agree with God about something. If, if we confess, if we can agree with God about our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're a saved person here this morning, no matter how you walked in these doors, whether you got up this morning and you were like, it's, it's Sunday, we're going to church, we're going to sing with God's people, we're going to hear God's word preached, and, and you were excited about coming and gathering with God's people, whether you got up this morning and you felt like you got run over by a truck, and, and you did not feel like coming for a, a bunch of reasons, some maybe just simply you're tired of other things you need to get done, or maybe there's sin and there's a spiritual battle, and frankly, you're losing it because of that unconfessed sin, and, and, and you almost didn't come this morning. Be cleansed this morning. There's not a reason why every single one of us cannot walk out these doors this morning clean, clean. No dirt ring. No dirt ring. No, no uh, dirt behind the ears, you know, you can be clean. And that's what Jesus wanted for his disciples. And that's what he wants for us. Look again at verse 12. He says this. Um, he says, and forgive us our debts. Father, would you forgive me of my sin? Do you see the little two letter word as, as we forgive our debtors? Father, would you forgive me? Would you make me clean again? And wow, what joy comes into our hearts and our lives when we're clean. What joy is there? What rejoicing is there? Wow, uh, uh, the, the great revival psalm, Psalm 85, I think it's in verse number six. Um, he talks about rev, uh, uh, reviving God's people that they might rejoice in thee. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Uh, sometimes our lives can become a real drudgery. You know, it's just kind of a mundane, just going through things. And, and our, even our spiritual walk with the Lord becomes mundane and dry and parched. And, uh, and, and, and it's just, there's no enthusiasm there. There's no, and, and he says, well, if you'll bring me back to life again, then I'll rejoice in thee. Being alive and rejoicing, Lord. Um, and, and, and here, sin, though, sin will keep us in that dead, feeling of dead deadness spiritually and he says it when you come to your father ask him lord would you would you forgive me of my sins just like i'm forgiving those who have wronged me of of their sins against me how many of us in this room want our heavenly father to forgive us the way that we're forgiving people who we're upset with or bitter against or resentful toward because of sins that they've committed toward us. I mean, right? I mean, that's normally where resentment and bitterness comes from. It normally comes from somebody hurt me. Someone said something about me. Someone did something to me. And everybody in this room has been hurt or wronged in different ways, some very grievously. Sometimes we get upset. It's true. Sometimes we get upset at someone when, and they don't even know it. They've not even done anything. It's just in our heads. And we've imagined things. And we've built a case against them. 
and we're upset with them, maybe even bitter against them. So that's our problem. Sometimes they've never done anything. But oftentimes they have done something. So how many of us would like our Father to forgive us the way that we're forgiving those who have wronged us? You know, I, I want God to forgive me according to his righteousness, right? I want, I want him to forgive me according to his mercy and his love and his grace. Father, would you forgive me according to who you are and how you respond to sinners and not so much like I respond to sinners. But here, Jesus brings this home for the apostles and he says, you need to be clean and you need to ask your father to forgive you when you sin against him. And you need to pray, Father, would you forgive me of my debts, my sin against you, the way as, just like I'm forgiving those who have sinned against me. I can remember years ago, I used to travel in evangelism and Cindy, my wife, would travel with me and our children were just little and they've traveled with us. I remember preaching at a church in Pennsylvania and one night after the meetings, um, a lady came up to me and you could tell she'd lived a very hard life. I imagine she was maybe in her 50s. Um, her hair was all over the place. She was missing most of her teeth. You could tell by her her uh, skin, she lived a very hard life. It, it would look like she had been abused. Alcohol, drugs seemed to have been part of her life. She came up to me and she said, and it was many years prior to that night, she said, and she named however many years it was, and she said, my husband took our two-year-old daughter up to our cabin. And my daughter died in the fire. After the fire and after the autopsy on my, my daughter's body, they found that she had been sexually abused prior to dying in the fire. And she said, my husband's in prison. They believe that he molested my daughter and killed my daughter and burned my daughter in the cabin. And uh, that night she looked at me and she said, for the first time, in, and she named a number of years, I have forgiven my husband. And uh, I was quiet. She is going to, if she's had victory, if she's chosen to continue to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that dear mother has had to choose to forgive her husband over and over and over and over again in those years since I spoke with her that day. And that's true for you and for me as well. Now, it is true as we continue to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. You know, maybe you're there and you're at a place in your life and there are people, there's someone you're upset with or bitter against or full of resentment toward and you just... You, you've, you've said for years now, maybe I will never forgive them. Or maybe you said, I cannot forgive them. I want you to know, we're going to look a little, a little bit later this morning at this truth. You can forgive them. Now, it, it, what's impossible with man is, is, is possible with God. And that's the only way it's possible. By the way, that dear lady, that dear mom could forgive her husband but her husband could still have be held accountable by this law of our land and by God, too. Okay. She doesn't have to be his judge. But God wants you and I to be forgiven. He wants us to be cleansed. But he responds to us the way that we respond to others. Um, in, Ma in Mark chapter 11, in verse 25, Jesus said this, and when you stand praying, forgive. This is a command to forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. So the motivation there, Jesus, is, his motivation is, I want you to be clean. But for you to be clean, for you to be forgivable, you need to be forgiving others. This is Christ-like, to forgive. It's anti-Christ to not forgive.
It is ungodly not to forgive. It is worldly not to forgive. It is satanic not to forgive. Do we understand this? This is a big deal. It is necessary that we forgive. And so we are to forgive everyone for everything, every single time. Not only does God want his disciples to be forgiven, but number two this morning, unforgiveness is is destructive. Very simple thought. Unforgiveness is destructive. Look at verse 15. Look down to verse 15. He says, but if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Look at it again, because these are not my words. He's talking to his disciples. He says, if ye forgive not men, the way they've sinned against you, their trespasses. So that's an option. I can choose not to forgive. He says, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. If ye forgive not, neither will your father forgive. So not only is unforgiveness clearly condemned as sin, but so too the believer who will not forgive. Look over to Matthew chapter 18, would you? In your Bibles, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23. Matthew 18, verse 23. This is the passage where Peter had asked Jesus, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter had said, till seven times. I mean, seven times. You hurt me seven times, I forgive you seven times. That's a lot. How oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said, no, not until seven times, but until 490 times. Seven times 70 is what he says there in verses 21 and 22. And then Jesus gives a story to help illustrate how important it is to forgive and what unforgiveness looks like. What does it look like when you and I choose not to forgive? Look at verse number eight or verse number 23. He says, therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. Now, that king, this king here represents God, the father. Okay. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents, the Bible doesn't say if it's 10,000 talents of silver or talents of gold, Um if it were talents of silver, it would be more than $20,000, probably more like 40, or excuse me, $40 million, not $20,000, $40 million today. If it was silver, if it were gold, it'd be so much more than that. And so you have this king, which, which uh, is, represents God, and you have this man who owes his king a debt he can never pay. And this, this servant represents you and me, okay? And for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he, he had in payment to be made. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, that represents you and me, sinners, owing a sin debt that we could never have paid, never pay. Not enough life. Not, not in enough ability. We all owed a sin debt against God. We had wronged him so grievously in so many ways that there's no way we ever could have repaid the debt for our sin. And we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and God had compassion on us and he forgave us our debt. He forgave us our sins, past, present, and future, forgiven. Okay, that's the picture. Now look what happens here by this servant who's just been forgiven of so much. He says this, But the same servant, this forgiven servant, went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Now, if uh, these silver talents, 10,000 talents of silver equal about $40 million, um, it would be a hundred pence would equal about $21. Okay, something like that. So he doesn't owe him very much, but he goes out and he finds his fellow servant who owes him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, this story that Jesus tells says, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. I mean, this is this is this is ludicrous, don't you think? You've just been forgiven of forty million dollars. And you go out and find somebody who hasn't who who owes you twenty-one dollars. I mean, don't you think you'd go home and just say, Wife, this is what happened? 
I owe, we owed 40 million. I asked for mercy and he gave me mercy and he forgave me all my debt. Don't you think they had gone home and just, I mean, even if they need dinner that night, I mean, it had been a good day. Don't you think? Don't you think they'd been rejoicing and a heart of gratitude? But he goes out and he finds his fellow servant who owes him $21. He takes him by the throat and he says, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, Jesus says, but went and cast him into prison, debtor's prison, till he should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. And then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Shouldn't you forgive the person who's wronged you because God forgave you? Why do we struggle so much to forgive people who have wronged us? Pride, sure. Because we're not godly, that's why. That's why. You know why? You know why you're so bitter? Because you're not godly. You know why you're so full of resentment? You say, well, I'll tell you why, Pastor. It's a long story. I don't know if you have enough time for it. I'll tell you why. This person did this. This person did that. This person said that. And this person didn't do this. No, no, that's not why you, you won't forgive. The reason you won't forgive is because you're not following Christ. That's why. That's it. That's the only reason. I'm not, I, I am, I am, I am probably doing it. I'm not intending to do it. I'm not, I don't want to minimize the hurt. I, I don't want to minimize the hurt. Hurt is real. Okay. I, I get that. People can hurt us deeply, but the reason we don't forgive is because we're not following Christ. That's why. And his Lord was wroth, Jesus says, and delivered him to the tormentors, the debtor's prison, till he should pay all that was due unto him. And then Jesus says these words, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespass. And the whole point of this is, from Jesus to his disciples is, he wants his disciples to be forgivable. He's given some clear instruction. Ask your father to forgive you. Very important. You need to be clean. You need to be a clean vessel for your own peace of mind and joy going through this life to enjoy the salvation of the Lord, but also to be usable, to be able to serve the Lord, to be able to accomplish things for his name and for his glory. You need to be clean. You need to be forgivable. So are you asking for forgiveness, but then are you forgiving people who have wronged you so that your father can forgive you of how you have wronged him? So God wants his disciples to be forgiven. Unforgiveness is absolutely destructive. It results in this insurmountable sin debt. Look again at verse 15 of Matthew 6. Verse 15 says, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If, I, if, if I'm going to be bitter against somebody, and I come to my Father and I ask him, Father, would you forgive me? And I, I'm asking him because I'm wanting to obey him. I'm asking him because I want his blessing on my life. I'm asking him because I need him. I need his wisdom to be a dad. But, but there's this situation years ago. There's this person. And they said, they said something. They did something. Maybe they were wrong. But I haven't forgiven them. I can come to my father today. Say, Lord, would you please give me wisdom in the transaction? Is, am I in a position for my Heavenly Father to forgive me? Yes or no? Not according to the words of Jesus.
And so those, there is no restoration there. There is no communion. Now it's just me off of my own. Pastoring to the best of my ability. Being the dad, the best dad that I can be. Um, trying my best. Doing my own research. But uh, and it's not that God would ever leave me or forsake me. But there's separation. It's lonely. Discouragement. Depression. Loneliness. Feeling like God's forsaken me. Maybe you've been there. And you say, well, I want to separate my life, my spiritual life, my walk with God, my ministry, my family from this incident that happened years ago. You can't do that. You have to forgive. Now, maybe you're here this morning. You say, well, this person's still hurting me. This person is still is still hurting me. They're still offending me. I can't forgive them because they haven't stopped sinning against me. Well, there's an incident in the Bible um, where a godly deacon is preaching the gospel and he's dragged out of the city and they, they cast him down and they begin to pick up stones and they begin to stone him. And Saul, uh, later to become the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus is standing there and all their cloaks are laid at his feet and he's standing there like a pompous Pharisee that he was uh, just watching this Christian to be stoned. And they pick up stones and they begin to stone Stephen. And as they're stoning Stephen and the rocks are beginning to pummel Stephen, did they hate Stephen? Yes, they hated Stephen. Did they want ill to come upon Stephen? Yes, they wanted to kill him. Were they wronging Stephen? Yes. Were they sorry for wronging Stephen? No. Did they ask Stephen for forgiveness? No. And the book of Acts records for us that this godly deacon, as he falls down and the rocks are, are, are bouncing off of his body, about to take his life, he prays to the Lord and he asks God to forgive them. So I, I learned from that situation that I can forgive someone even when they're still hurting, in the process of hurting me. I don't have to be bitter at them, even when they're in the process of hurting me. If I'm going to follow Christ, I can, I can actually love them and pray for them when they're in the process of doing me harm. See, this is what it is to follow Christ. I'm going to give you one last truth from the passage. Look at verse 14. There's a cure for forgiveness or unforgiveness. God wants his disciples to be forgiven. Number one. Number two, unforgiveness is destru destructive. And lastly, there's a cure for unforgiveness. Look at verse 14. He says this. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. There it is. If you forgive, you're in a position for your Father to forgive. Are you in a position for your father to forgive? Have you let it go? If you're waiting for vengeance and your definition of justice to happen in that situation, you will never be satisfied. If you're waiting for that person to be everything you want them to be, you will never be satisfied. God hasn't made you and me the judge. He hasn't made us him to mold and shape that person, a husband or wife. That isn't our role. Our role is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I can forgive even when they have not repented of it. If ye forgive men, your heavenly Father will forgive you. You see, the cure for the sin of unforgiveness is to, is to obey the Lord's command and to forgive, to give forgiveness, to let it go as if, as if it never happened. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Seth, I cannot do it. 
And I say to you, lovingly, that is a lie. And it is from the father of lies, the devil. And he whispers it to you. They don't deserve your forgiveness. They're not sorry for what they've done. They don't even know. Sometimes that even makes us more mad. Like they don't even realize they're hurting us. I mean, that's how out of tune they are. They don't even, they don't care. They care so little about you. They don't even know they're hurting you. They haven't asked for it. They're not sorry. They're going to keep doing it. What if they do it again? On and on and on. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, Jesus, or the Apostle Paul, with the words of the Spirit of Christ, he says this, There hath no temptation taken you, a temptation like unforgiveness. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. The temptation to, of unforgiveness is common to man. It's common. It's everywhere. Our world is rank with unforgiveness. Uh, if we look at it from a uh, political perspective, uh, Democrats, there's bitterness from them toward Republicans. On the Republican side, you have Republicans who are bitter and full of hatred right toward Democrats. And you got you, you have hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness between families. It, our world is full of ungodliness and this sin of unforgiveness. And Jesus is saying to his apostles, you need to forgive. Listen, unforgiveness is common to man. But when you are tempted not to forgive, the Bible tells us that at the moment that you are tempted, that he makes a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. The moment that I'm tempted to be bitter or unforgiving, I can know as a child of God, based upon that promise in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there is a way of escape. There's an off ramp. OK, I can get off. I don't have to keep driving on the highway of unforgiveness, you know, pedal down. No, I can get off. There's an off ramp. It's a biblical truth. It's a biblical truth It is a promise of God's word that when I'm tempted to, to sin in the matter of unforgiveness or any other sin for that matter, there I have the choice. God will enable me to get off of that sin of unforgiveness. I can choose to forgive. We're, we're, we're commanded to forgive the way to the degree that Christ forgave us unconditionally. I think of Joseph and his brothers. I think of Stephen. I think of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I think of how completely Jesus forgave us. To what degree did Jesus forgive us? In Colossians 3, the Bible says, forbearing one another. He's talking about church members. He says, forbearing one another, putting up with one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So to what degree ought do we forgive? We ought to forgive one another to the same degree that Jesus Christ forgave us. Did he hold back his forgiveness from you? No. He forgave you. He forgave you of everything. Should I withhold my forgiveness from someone else? Now, we don't have time for this, but if we talk about forgiveness, I can forgive. Forgiving someone doesn't necessarily mean that relationship is going to be everything it ought to be. Okay, does that make sense? So I, I don't want you to think here, well, if I forgive, nothing's going to change. Nothing may change with them. But you will be following Christ. You will change. You will have peace. You will have joy. God will begin to heal your spirit and your soul. Okay. Um, it may, that, they may never be disciplined. They may, they may always be thoughtless. Okay. But you can follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's complete forgiveness. In Micah 7 and verse 19, the Bible says, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. In Psalm 103, verse 12, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. 
And in Hebrews 10 and verse 17, the Bible gloriously says, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And it's not that God cannot remember. He chooses not to. He chooses to let it go. If God did not forgive us, every single one of us would have to go to hell for all of eternity. Be like Christ. Let it go. Let it go. I want Pastor Toman to come and I want him to lead us in a hymn, hymn number 279, His Robes for Mine. I want you to stand with your hymnals and I want you to sing it out as a prayer to the Lord and rejoicing about what he has done for us. And, uh, and then we'll partake in just a moment. On the third verse, his robes for mine, God's justice is a peace. Jesus is crushed, and thus the Father's pleased. Christ drank God's wrath on sin, then cried his dawn. Since wages pain, propitiation won. I cling to Christ and marvel at the cause. Jesus forsaken, God estranged from God. But by such love, my life is not my own. My praise, my all, shall be for. Men come on this last. His robes for mine, such anguish none can know. Christ God's beloved, condemned as though his hope. He has the eye accursed and left alone. I as though he embraced and welcomed home. I cling to Christ and marvel at the call. Jesus forsaken goddess. But by such love, my life is not my own. My praise, my all, shall be for Christ alone. Thank, Thank you. Please be seated. If you're visiting with us, you're welcome to partake of the Lord's Supper with us. If you're a believer, it's for it's for the followers of Christ. It's for those who want to obey him. And uh, I want you to know we'll partake of the bread first and, um, and then the grape juice. The bread represents Jesus' body broken for us. He suffered greatly. The grape juice represents his blood, and by which, as we learned this morning, we have that forgiveness. So... Uh, these elements are not the body and the blood of Christ. We don't believe in that, but they represent those. They're pictures for us. As the bread comes back to you, I would encourage you to take some time. You know, it'll come and uh, and take a moment and pray and 
confess, agree with God about some things that his spirit has been exposing in your life. Maybe it's the sin of worry. It could be something like that. Or pride of your tongue, whatever. And I would ask you and encourage you, confess it. Agree with God about it. Confess it as sin. Ask him for forgiveness. If you are convicted by his spirit of some bitterness or unforgiveness against someone, take no chances with it. And just ask him, Lord, would you forgive me for this sin? And maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've confessed that sin so many times. Then do it again today. And be clean today. Lose the the, the neck ring today, okay? So, Jeff, would you pray and thank God for his willingness to suffer and his body be broken for us? Yes. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to come together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, sending your son to die on the cross for his body to be broken for us, Lord. We thank you for that uh, salvation through your forgiveness. Lord, just pray that each one of us, Lord, reflect, and if there's any forgiveness in our hearts towards any of our brothers, to anybody, Lord, that we would humble ourselves and seek out restoration and forgive them, Lord. Just thank you and love you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.